Sometimes it can feel like food has an emotional control over you. Well, it's time to show your food who's boss with Noom. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to the On the Corner podcast. I am Ben Palmer, and I am here joined by the delightful and delectable Nick Pollock. Uh, and I am introducing this podcast and introducing you, which is uh, strange <laughs> to me, but that's okay. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. What's up? Uh, Not delectable. Much. Delectable. Delectable. If you guys have noticed, uh, for these On the Corner mock draft specials that we're doing, I'm trying to get the guests to host it you know to introduce everyone it's like a little and improv ben Palmer, game who played. used to do that you, he's shagging flies you know you actually have done otcs yeah. with me you know yep. yep um and you felt you felt like a fish out of water for a second there no 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 you just um, uh just throw me throw me a little curveball to start off that's i mean fine. that's fine the man who has the the silky smooth radio mic there you go um should you know he, he's he's be able to do, deal with it anyway you. hi guys hey thanks for tuning in i i feel like i'm doing like a late a late night show um it's 10 15 p.m on i <laughs> on what December like one of those 5th. late night radio shows yeah and i feel like you I listen to, to right, i need to do that right now that's what Cincinnati. i'm doing i'm a tired boy i just want to <laughs> let you guys know right now i am so tired and I said, no, I needed to make sure I got this podcast out with Ben Palmer. We've been pushing it back a little bit. Found this time, not sometime. I found this time. Yeah. And I uh, and so did Ben. So we got to talk about your mock draft. If you guys aren't familiar with this, um, it's a staff mock draft we did in the middle of October. Dave Swan put out a fantastic article. Adam Howe is going to uh, we're, we're going to have it in the timestamps right below. It's just shout out to Adam Howe whenever possible. Shout out Adam Howe. Always That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so you can view the few, full board there um, and it's a 12-teamer standard as standard gets. Yahoo 5x5 head-to-head categories. We have three outfielders, two utility spots, no middle infielder, no corner infield, nine pitching spots. And Otani is two distinct players and I've actually seen some pushback of some people saying, what, this is ridiculous. It should be one player. Y'all know that Shoei Otani is 1-1 if he's one player. Okay? You don't yeah. need any analysis on that. It is interesting if Otani isn't 1-1. Who is 1-1? Where does Otani land? All that stuff. So that's how we're doing it. And uh, Ben Palmer here. You know, Ben, uh, tell tell everybody your resume a little bit. My resume? Well, I have been with uh, Pitcher List, and correct me if I get this wrong, because I consistently get it wrong. I get it I've right. Been with, <laughs> you always get it right. <laughs> I've been... <laughs> always, always, always. This is my fifth year with Pitcher List. Yes. No. 
This was your sixth Damn, year. This it will be seven next year. You started in 2016. I, the you reason know, I, I know this is you joined a month yeah. before Alex Fast. I joined right before Fast. Yeah. And this, so, this podcast yeah. started in 2016 because of That's Alex right. Fast. So I've been here since 2016. I've been uh, writing since 2016 for Pitcherless, including all kinds of columns that don't exist anymore. Uh, <laughs> RIP, hit it or quit it. Uh, and uh yeah and i'd still do that i do all kinds of i do a weekly column during the year of hitters to stream i've done all kinds of you know big research pieces and tiny research pieces on individual players like uh i mean shoot i've done ones as obscure yeah. as like i think i did a jacob wags uh, pack wags pack that guy i did a whole article Wagus on pack. him like wags pack yeah, I did a going deep on him like four years ago. I remember <laughs> like, when guys were really in on him for a second. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nailed that one. That's well. <laughs> so so Ben has been here a long time. And a it's great. He's, while, he's yeah. one of our senior uh, staffers here. Uh, so it, it's interesting with uh, with the with these drafts. There are some that some senior staffers that I just go. I need to have Ben Palmer here. I need to have Rick Graham here. I need to have Scott Chu here. John Metzler. Um, guys who have been with us, I think everyone I listed there since 2016, maybe Chu since 2017. Scott was after um, me. Rick was definitely around the time, if not before me. I think I think he was either Rick that might have been year or before. And Metzler, um, I think John was, after was 2017. Me. Yeah, I think. They I were mean, the I will never year. forget. Oh man, we got Johnny Baseball, and if you know what Johnny Baseball is, guys, that is you are true ones. Um, but anyway. <laughs> We, you know, I, I told Ben, Ben, we can't go two hours tonight. I am so tired. Yeah, we won't. I promise. So he was fourth in this one. You, you were the fourth pick. Did you choose the fourth pick, or was it handed to you? Uh, I chose it because I wanted to try something more towards the middle, but middle top, rather than uh, you know, just to see kind of what happens around the four spot. Uh, so yeah, I, there wasn't a whole, I mean, a lot of spots had already been taken, but I saw four open. I was like, that sounds fun. Let's give it a shot. Okay. And were you aiming for Aaron judge in the first round? I wasn't specifically aiming for him, but you know, by the time it got to me, I was kind of obvious, you know, I, you know, it's obviously he had an insane season and he is, I think he was an obvious pick there. I mean, even if he regresses some and obviously he, probably will uh not everyone he's not gonna hit 61 home runs every year uh or 62 however thank you very much it's 62 thank you 62 thank you for correcting me uh i tried to i tried to block out any any yankee stats out of my head as much as i can uh but yeah i mean he was i think he was obvious right there you know he's he's ridiculous not much to say about aaron judge that hasn't been said a billion times it's like saying mount everest is a pretty tall mountain like yeah Yeah, it's it's pretty tall um, I mean, the th- interesting thing about fantasy baseball and Aaron Judge is there's something about health, and I do wonder if uh, he, there's still some odd risk. But given the sizable production of how, you know, when he does play, you got to do it. Uh, yeah, and so I mean, far ahead, 157 games last year, 148 the year before. You know, you're injury prone until you're not. So uh, it's been two years of pretty much full seasons. I don't see any. I mean, yes, he's got a very large body and has had uh, injury problems in the past, but I don't see any reason to factor that into drafting right now, personally. 
Sure. And uh, the, the three picks beforehand were Jose Ramirez, Ronald Cunha Jr., and Trey Turner. I, I don't know if I, if I would rather those three just because I generally push down stolen bases in five-by-five head-to-head categories leagues, especially yeah. also with the new rules uh, coming in. That should elevate uh, middling players to more stolen bases, which means that they're more attainable week to week. And getting a massive thing like Aaron Judge's RBI runs and home run totals without destroying right. your average. I mean, 311 average last year, which should come down, but still phenomenal. And hey, he also had 16 stolen bases. Um, Yeah, it seems like a no brainer. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, we expect a drop, but what? 39 home runs okay yeah i mean even a drop even a drop is like still a really good first round player i mean and it's not like this season kind of came out of nowhere he's been incredible in the past so i mean it's there's no reason to think short of an injury that he's just gonna suddenly like fall off a cliff next year right okay let's move past aaron judge here uh paul goldschmidt in the second round uh was there someone that you were specifically targeting at this point and was it goldschmidt uh, I wanted to grab another hitter. I wasn't quite ready to do a, a, another a, to start pitching just yet. Um, and Goldschmidt was out there. I think he made a lot of. He's very consistent. Uh, kind of has been over the past couple of years. You know, I mean, even you know, I can see his average dropping a little bit. He hit uh, three seventeen last year, which is amazing. But you know, two sixty one. Expected batting average, but you know, everything else, the power, counting stats, all that's legit. He's, you know, I think you, he, I think he's a lock. Assu- again, assuming health, uh, I think he is a lock for 30, 35 home runs and tons of runs in RBI. And uh, if I wasn't going to take a pitcher, I think he made more sense than like the next two hitters that went were Altuve and uh, Lindor. So I figured I'd kind of lock up first base uh, early. Right. So in this draft, uh, Alonso Guerrero Jr. and Freeman went earlier in that round. And I've said there's about 22 hitters that I see as a step above everyone else. Um, Really, it's kind of 20. No, wait, I got to get rid of Harper because we know that he's gone until June or so. Mm. Um, But... In our draft, Austin Riley is kind of the end of it. And then maybe Dever. I think Devers is part of it. Uh, our data science guy, Kyle Bland, is like, Nick, Rafael Devers isn't as good as you think he is uh, and based on stuff that we're doing. And maybe he's right. Um, we'll see. But uh, Goldschmidt and Altuve are the other two, I think, at the tail end of it. I feel like the uh, Riley, Shohei Otani, the hitter, Machado, the other grouping of first baseman, that's all definitively above. And then Goldschmidt, Altuve is kind of right where starters go. And that's actually how it went in our draft. Altuve went at the end of the second round, while Garrett Cole and Corbin Burns went right after your Goldschmidt pick right before Altuve. Were yeah. you thinking about positional targets early on in your draft? Uh, not as much as I later have real- realized that I should have, uh, because I, and we'll get to this later, but uh, probably about... Uh, I think it was, yeah, halfway through the draft, a little under halfway through the draft, I realized how shallow second base is. It is rough. It's awful. It is very And and that was kind of the point where I was like, oh, crap, I got to (laughs) draft second base early. And that was kind of the, I mean, the the beauty of these mock drafts is that you learn lessons from them. And the lesson that I learned is 
target second base early. So maybe, I mean, I still like Goldschmidt ahead of Altuve, but given the position scarcity, you know, maybe Altuve would have made a bit more sense there. Uh, but yeah, that I, I, there wasn't anything in close. particular I was targeting. Yeah. At the very least, um, if you're going Goldschmidt and not getting Altuve, it's possible to then just shift your third round or fourth round into more of a focus of it. Maybe Cedric Mullins in the fifth is Trevor's story. Something to yeah. think about. Yeah, something like that for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny because we didn't have top 15 first base rankings to look at or anything. We didn't have right. those. Nothing would, had been done. So uh, I actually, when we started our draft, I hadn't finished my rankings yet. Uh, I don't think I had published my SP rankings. Maybe I had that Monday or something. Yeah, I but think you had I, like not I long just, before. Yeah. yeah, I just put those out. But even then, it's like, what does Nick know? Nothing. Uh, so Goldschmidt, on the topic of him, and obviously everyone knows how successful his season had. he had. The walk rate came back, which is really good. Uh, on base percentage, was over 400. Uh, X-Woba at 381 is fantastic. That is our X-Woba. Um, yeah, all the signs are there that Goldschmidt is fantastic. Don't really see why it should fall off too dramatically. Uh, so I'm a fan of Goldschmidt. I feel also first base is has some sneaky options uh but man it's nice getting a nice one at the top Um, it is and i I like getting a guy you can just count on and i think goldschmidt uh, is one of those guys yeah i i like sometimes i like old boring consistent guys and i love them yeah dave potts told me that i hate children that's his quote and i will never forget that (laughs) i think it's so good um dave potts nfbc legend uh, Max Scherzer and Carlos Rodon in the third and fourth rounds. Scherzer was the fifth starter off the board with DeGrom, McClanahan, Burns, and Cole going 4-3-2-1. Why did you go Max Scherzer instead of, say, I don't know, Sandy Alcantara? Yeah, I... <laughs> I just... I think you can make the argument for sure for Alcantara. I just, you know, I, I Scherzer's amazing, and I'm not super super worried about the age thing just yet you know i mean obviously he only pitched 23 games last year but before that it's just been consistently starting no matter how old he's gotten obviously he's going to turn 39 this year but i'm not going to just suddenly say he's going to be you know injured all year or something next year and when he is out there he is still incredibly the 229 era last year 091 whip 30.6 percent strikeout rate low walk rate. I mean, just he's ridiculous. He's really, really good. Max Scherzer. Uh, so, you know, I, the reason I ended up going Rodon after him is the age thing. You just sort of as uh, generally, I kind of like to, I always say I like to do this and then I, sometimes I don't do it, but I generally like to grab an anchor or two of aces in the early rounds and then kind of, grab a little bit of pitching here and there of guys that I like later on. Um, okay. Doesn't always work out that way, but because of the age thing. One. Yeah. Yeah, well, do it here. yeah. Because of the age thing with Scherzer, I decided to go ahead and grab Rodon as well, because I think he is another rock solid ace. So mm-hmm. he's sort of an insurance plan on the chance that sure that age finally does catch up with Scherzer. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen, but it doesn't hurt to be safe. And I think Rodon is awesome and totally proved that all the injury concerns about him were. Yeah, he's you know, so good. Don't worry about it. 
and Ron hopefully he's so a future Baltimore <laughs> Oriole. That'd be really cool. Yeah, New York Yankee. That's right. I I, I heard. The same <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I <laughs> uh, what is Max Scherzer's best pitch, Ben? What is Max Scherzer's best pitch? Pop quiz. Pop quiz. What is Max Scherzer's best pitch? Don't look at uh, him. Don't look. Don't go to the pitcher's player page. I, I see it's... the white on your screen on your face reflecting. No... What? What makes you think I use pitcher list? Uh, <laughs> no I, I idea. Mean, gut reaction is a slider. Yes, it is far and away. I think I don't even mention often enough how amazing Max Scherzer's slider is. Twenty-seven percent swinging strike rate alone. Yeah, it's nuts. That is, it's been like that forever. The league average is fifteen percent. Everyone, it's hard contact rate eleven percent. Strike rate is seventy-one percent. Unbelievable. Uh, One eighty-nine batting average allowed. So like he just gets strikes galore with this and doesn't get punished for it. The weird thing is that his swing strike rate on his fastball is usually around fifteen percent or higher. Which is really good. And that's really like yeah, the thing that so really guy just pumps it in, does not care. It was only 12% this past year. I yeah. average went up a little bit to, to 12, which is still good for a fastball, but 31% hard contact. It's a little more worrisome um, that we see this decline a little. The velocity is coming down just a tick, not even a full tick, even. It's like 94.0 as opposed to 0.3 or 0.7 right. in the past. Uh, the changeup is a weird one where it doesn't allow hard contact, but is it consistent enough? I mean, it doesn't get, you know, CSW is 19% last year. It's just about inducing a, an out. And it did yeah. it decently enough last year. And the curveballs that show me early in the count, 76% early in the count are his curveballs and a 30% called strike rate. So there you go. Uh, but that sli- as long as the slider is still good, sure is good. The real question, of course, is how healthy is he? It's not about being old. It's also just about, hey, you have a history of not going 180 innings. He went a yeah. full season in 2020, but sure is only 172 in 2019, 179 in 2021, and 145 last year for the Mets. As your first starter, I want someone who I feel very confident can go 180 uh, and above 190 and hint at 200. It's theoretically sure he'll just keep pitching until his arm falls off, but I don't think you should have much faith that Scherzer does more than 175 or so. While I see Alcantara here, I see Urias here, um, Zach Wheeler, Verlander, and Alcantara is the only one that can you really say, yeah, should have more innings than Scherzer. But then again, not the same strike yeah, rate, 31%. I, I was on the fence between Scherzer and Alcantara, and I just, I don't know. I ended up kind of, I think it's kind of a coin toss. I, I think there's definitely an argument to be made for Alcantara. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm. Um, it's so. funny. I talk so much about this stuff, and then I never draft any of them because I don't draft <laughs> pitchers this early. Uh, I mean, Urias, by the way, has always been kind of minimized by the Dodgers a little bit. Uh, Zach Wheeler, there's questions about his elbow, especially around the playoffs. Uh, and then, but then again, he came out and fired. Uh, like he was insane. So I think he's okay. And then there's Justin Verlander, who uh, we all know. He's a Met now, yeah. by the way. Just happened today. Future oh my Met, gosh. Or current Met, I guess. Yes. Uh yeah. Carlos Rodon is the next one. And I like I love this one. I thought I saw I saw Rodon in the middle of the of the end of the fourth round. I almost took him, but I was trying to um maintain my my philosophy. Nope, no, no pitchers. Uh but yeah, that was a great pick. I love this one. This is actually a seal of approval. If you can get Carlos Excellent. Rodon at the end of the fourth round, 
that's oh, that's exactly what you should do in every draft. Yeah, oh, I man. I love it. I've loved Carlos Rodon for uh, a long time. And I'm, oh yeah, when uh, he was a White Sox, you were yeah, I was a big fan. Uh, back uh, in like 2018, you were. Yeah, it was like yeah, like 2018. I was I was a, a huge fan. And how of wrong you were! I'm just kidding. how wrong I know. <laughs> no, uh, I just I just remember hearing about him, and I just remember hearing people say like, "This guy's got like the most incredible slider you'll ever see," and uh, and yeah, it is pretty incredible. But I'm just glad he's you know he proved last year that uh, he can be healthy, and uh, he's awesome, and I have no reason to believe he won't be awesome again next year. So yeah, I, I, I love having him in the fourth round. His 95.5 mile per hour fastball in 2022 matched his 2021 velocity. And it's a fantastic pitch. I, I don't know what else to say. It's, it's really good. It doesn't uh, mitigate too much hard contact, but it's so good. It, it overwhelms many a time while the slider stays down and it's a Blake Snell blueprint. That's that's yeah. it. Don't care about the curveball or changeup. I mean, yeah, doesn't matter. He does it. It's, He's uh, gonna go out there and let it rip every five days, and that's it. Welcome to Carlos Rodon Land. Three year array of, uh, of a one oh five whip or so with a thirty three, thirty plus percent K rate. Yeah. Why is he going at the end of the fourth round? I don't know. Absolute strikeout Why? machine, and that yeah. is, uh, I'm all about it. I don't. I don't get it. I don't. I, I don't. I do not understand. Yeah, uh, I two, was kind of surprised. Thirty-seven uh, strikeouts last year. Yeah, I'm surprised that like a uh, uh, you know a Max Fried, Spencer Strider kind of went ahead of him. Yeah, I I, yeah. I am too. I I'm Dylan Cease. Hello, you're like oh, but two hundred strikeouts. You just got two hundred thirty-seven from Carlos Rodon. Right, right, and and what, uh, why are you? I would imagine a better walk rate instead. Yeah. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, why are you? What are you doing? Stop getting. Stop going for Cease instead of Rodon. Yeah. No, don't do that. Um, so fifth round, you uh, you decide to go for a homer. Absolutely. I went two homers in a row, actually. It, it, two homers in a row, and we're going to talk about both of those after this break. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? 
You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. So fifth round, as we hinted at before, it's Cedric Mullins. Last year, 16 home runs, 89 runs, 64 RBI, 34 stolen bases, just a two fifty eight average. How do you feel about this pick? Uh, this was a... I, I needed some speed because uh, I am not getting any speed from Paul Goldschmidt and uh, didn't even consider speed in judge. Uh, so I like Mullins a lot. I, you know... He had that 30-30 year two years ago, uh, obviously regressed from that, but he's still a really solid power-speed combo. You know, yeah, not a rate. single person in the industry was in on Cedric Mullins. No one yeah. I I know of, not no one that rhymes with Bustin Faison, uh, possibly was in on Cedric Mullins. You know what, you want to know what's hilarious is my uh, bold predictions for 20. 19 or or 2020 i think it might have been it may have been 2020 before we knew about everything yeah right my bold predictions was cedric mullins goes 30 30 no no 2020 it was 2020 i I thought that was a bold prediction that cedric mullins because he was a kind of a nobody i was like oh he's gonna go 2020 and be a top outfielder and then like nothing happened i was like oh well so much for cedric (laughs) mullins But I gotta go and dig that up. That'd happens all the time. That happened. Dylan Cease uh, was on my dart throws article two years ago, and uh, was okay. Oh, yeah. You were a year early, yeah, yeah. And I was a year. It happens all the time. But anyways, uh, yeah. So obviously, you know, regressed a bit from the thirty thirty year. Uh, a lot of the quality of contact stats dropped. Barrel rate dropped uh, from eight percent to about five percent. Home run fly ball rate, infield fly ball rate. Uh, sorry, home run fly ball rate dropped infield fly ball rate increased and his fly ball rate increased. So it kind of seems more like a lot of fly balls dying in the outfield. However, mm-hmm. I don't think he was not really affected by the great wall of Camden, the, uh, the new wall in left field that's been moved back. Sure. Uh, I took a look at all of the Orioles hitters who were most affected by that. Cedric Mullins lost one home run to that wall. That's it. And, you know, not a whole lot of all of his other fly balls that were outs in the outfield. None of them would have been home runs in the old park or, you know, close to it. So this was really just he wasn't hitting the ball as hard. So I'm really hopeful that he can find some balance between the 30-30 year of 2021 and what he did last year. But either way, even if he does what he did last year, 34 steals is great. I have no reason to believe he's not going to steal 30 plus again with a decent batting average. And I think the Orioles are just going to continue to get better. So I think those runs and RBI numbers will be solid too. So I'm trying to find this article for you. And oh, my old bold think, predictions article. Yeah, I don't, I don't see one from 2020. Oh no, I see maybe, it from 2019. Maybe it was 2019. 2020 and bats at least 280. It was 2019. Yeah. You were two years too early. Two years uh, too that's early. That's your problem. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, Cedric Mullins, middle of the fifth round. I mean, I think the most important thing to note is who else is going around um, Mullins yeah. for outfield. 
And that's Adelise Garcia, who just had a fantastic season. You have Eloy Jimenez, who looks like a stud if he can stay healthy. Cal Schwarber, who's a giant amount of pop. Um, Teoscar Hernandez is actually shifting over now to uh, to Seattle. Um, George Springer, if he can stay healthy. Stalling Marte, Byron Buxton, Dalton Varsho. And in a 5x5, five five where uh, stolen bases are not as big of a deal, I might not chase Mullins personally. But the Orioles offense, I think, should generally improve. So this could be a good play, ultimately. Um, let's move to your next pick, and that is Adley Rutschman. You got to go after this one. And for the uh, for the record, I was going to do Jazz Chisholm. Uh, you were. I was. And then he got sniped. picked two, two picks, picks ahead of me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that right, was going that. to be my pick there. Uh, but anyways, yes, Adley uh, was my next pick. Ad, this is just me. Like I really believe that he's going to take uh, a step forward offensively. He's got incredible play discipline. I watched him a lot this year, obviously, as an Orioles fan. And, what? Uh, You're not I know, fan? crazy. What are those <laughs> and, banners on the right? I thought those were just diamonds. That yeah, were I don't know what just these orange these lines. <laughs> yeah, no clue. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, I'm gonna sound like an old man, but like Adley just. He, he approaches the plate like a veteran hitter. He looks like an older hitter than he is. He's mm. just, he's a, he has a great eye. Uh, and I just think he has that ability, that talent to step forward. Even, even so, I mean, last year as a catcher and obviously catcher is a tough position in fantasy. He hit two fifty four with 13 home runs, 70 runs, 42 RBI and thir- and 113 games. You know, I, that's still pretty darn solid for a catcher. And if he can take a step forward, even better. And I really, really think that's possible. And as we said, you know, it, I would hope the Orioles offense continues to improve. Um, the one thing I'm really interested in is Adley hits a lot better as a lefty than as a righty. Like it's night and day splits. Hits 280, 386, 503 as a lefty. 173, 287, 265 as a righty. So I'm kind of curious what would happen if he pulled a Cedric Mullins and stopped switching. Uh, maybe nothing. I don't know. But uh, sure. it is interesting that he has such drastic splits as a switch hitter. But either way, I think he's a, a fabulous catcher. And uh, yeah, I, I think there's good value there. Well, he thinks you're a fabulous person, so there you go. Um, He's the best. Have you, did you see my Adley hug compilation that I tweeted out? Oh earlier yeah, this year? I love that. Love yeah, that, Adley. Man. Adley Rutschman, fantastic hugs everybody. Hugger. Just yes. a delight of a human being. Eleven, eleven, the best walk rate in the majors at fourteen percent, three sixty-two on base percentage at twenty-ninth, and you have to think, give him a full year, one hundred thirteen games this year for seventy plate appearance. I mean, he's going to lead this team. Oh, yeah. I was really upset when Adley went um, yeah. and I, I, I made a dumb pick of the ninth, which we're not going to talk about. We have already said it enough in all of these podcasts. Um, I will likely be targeting Adley myself. Now I'm trying to see if the sixth is the right time. I want to say, yes, I'd say probably it's like at least seventh round, but I could be wrong. I wonder what his, what his ADP is sitting at like right now. Uh, it's tough to see right now. Cause it's all 
draft and hold stuff and it's not yeah he's uh, um, yeah the the nfbc oh, thing weird. right now NFBC is also two catchers and everything like that too yeah. and that really props it up yeah um it, it's a debatable seal of approval i really like it i i, I want to get adley as many leagues i will as take I a debatable seal of approval yeah you'll take good the debatable one it. is is good oh <laughs> 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 let's move on to your next pick and that's wonder franco speaking of youngins yeah, uh, last year was a bit of a disappointment. Obviously, there was the injury that really impacted him. Uh, but talk to me about your thought process here. Yeah, so the wrist surgery had uh, kept him at just 83 games, uh, but he did come back at the end of the season. Still had a 277, 328, 417 line. You know, not a ton of power, but you know, pace out, pace it out to a whole year. He's like a 10 home run, 15 steal guy, which is fine. But I, I, he's another guy. I think. I think he's better than that. I, I think he can take a step forward. He's still super young uh, and given health in a full season. You know, this is for me, this is an investment in potential, but even so I think he's got a pretty high floor. I think he's a really talented hitter. Uh, so, and we'll give you, I think a decent power speed combo with a good average. So yeah, I, I I'm it's like I said, more of an investment in potential. Uh, but right. I still feel safe in having him as my shortstop. Sure. I mean, it's a little, uh, it, it's good to see him put that many balls in play. Cause that helps you more in fantasy yeah. than, you know, sub 10% K rate, sub 8% walk rate. Uh, very few at bats ended in a non ball in play essentially. Right. Um, yeah, we haven't seen the best of him. He's, going to be 22 next year yeah exactly uh seventh round though i will say is dansby swanson's there and there might be a little bit more appeal to the floor of swanson than franco but the ceiling of course i get that i get that franco yeah and that's uh, and that's really kind of what i'm investing in there is i still think franco has a decently high floor and the ceiling is obviously you know the ridiculous absolutely ridiculous so <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I get that completely. Uh, let's go to the eighth round now. Uh, Nestor Cortez. I like this pick a lot. You know, I was I was like, I saw it. I thought, it. you know, well, oh, Severino is the guy I went with. Cortez was the one I would was hoping to kind of sneak a little bit later. But yeah, he went uh, he went eighth round here and uh, you saw him destroy your Orioles. I know this is what happened because <laughs> former Cortez Oriole Nestor Cortez. destroyed the Orioles when he yeah. pitched against them this year. It was wonderful. I mean, we're talking uh, double digit strikeout games. The last game of the season, 12 K's and 7.1 innings against. Oh, guess what? Baltimore Orioles second uh, game of the season, five innings, 12 strikeouts, one walk, zero and runs against the Orioles. Gross. Yeah, I feel beautiful. gross. It's beautiful. You know it is. I know. I know. That's I why you picked him in the eighth round. A Yankee, but gotta put <clears throat> look. Gotta put the biases aside. Mm. Even though uh, I feel very gross drafting a Yankee, and especially former Oriole turned Yankee. But <clears throat> I love what he did last year. Peripherals around him kind of seem to support it. Uh, you know. I think he's got an opportunity to have a similar year to what he did the past uh, or the past couple years. Doesn't get a ton of strikeouts, but that fastball cutter combo is good enough. He's not going to hurt you. What are you talking about? He doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. So twenty six point five percent K rate. I mean, okay, I'm sorry. He doesn't get a ton of strikeouts, like relative to like you know your aces. I guess you're right. You're right. You're right. He right. has over a strikeout an inning. 
Okay. It's a, it had a 244 ERA, a .92 whip, 31st in the majors in strikeout rate. He's great. He's great. I like, like I said, you know, it's, uh, it, that's, the, that's Nestor Cortez, nasty Nestor, Nestor right? Cortez. Kinda, he's, he's great. He deserves I, the attention. I, <laughs> <laughs> I believe in what he was doing. I, I think, you know, I don't think the last, that last year was a fluke at all. And I think he could have another year just like last year. And if he does great, that that's, I will gladly take that. Uh, in the eighth round as another pitcher behind. So then having Scherzer, Rodon, and Cortez, those are all guys nice who, uh, who can all have sub three ERAs for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wasn't totally sold on Cortez because it's hard to be sold on someone that has a 92 mile per hour fastball on a good day. <laughs> yeah. And it, was, it increased the tick uh, from 2021. And I know, yeah, that really nice second half with the Yankees and there's a lot of buzz about it, but I didn't quite buy that he was going to be this good. And it got better. The fastball went from an 11% swing strike rate to a 13%. Its strike rate jumped up five ticks. Its batting average allowed went down 40 points. And the BABIP is, it still feels uneven. 156 batting average allowed, 210 BABIP. I feel like that should go a little bit higher. Uh, but it is he is a fly ball pitcher. And generally, fly ball pitchers have better BABIPs. The hard contact rate on that fastball is 24%. That's great on a fastball. Expected average is just 174 on that fastball for Nestor Cortez. So this is all things that say, you know what? Maybe Andrew McCutcheon's tweet was right. Shocking, more than 11. Andrew McCutcheon <laughs> might know a thing about baseball. <laughs> saying how good it is of a fastball and how much it sneaks up on you. And he pairs it with a cutter that had a 24% hard contact rate this past year. 191 batting average as well. He does such a good job of jamming this pitch inside to right-handers um, and keeping it away from lefties. He just lives glove side with that pitch. That's how it should be. The slider is really a show-me curveball is what I like to think of it at 77 miles per hour. 26% called strike rate last year is really nice. And that Yeah, I'm works. curious about that, what you think about that. The fact that, you know, 25.8% chase rate, 8.2% swinging strike rate, neither of which are especially good, but 34.3% CSW. I mean, that's... I mean, that's the CSW really is all... It's all just about the called strike. The rate. called strikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, we see this a lot from breaking balls, where if it's a high called strike rate on a breaking ball, you know that it's thrown earlier in counts typically, or yeah. it's just used to try and sneak it in and play off everything else, as opposed to being a, okay, tough moment. I got to lean on this pitch. I don't think the slider is that. And that's okay. That's fine. He's got the cutter and the fastball for those. Right. But it's really nice having a pitch you can confidently put in there. Uh, 65% strike rate. It is much worse against lefties. He doesn't throw it much um, against... I'm uh, sorry, not... not Actually throws it more against lefties. Usage is 27%. Very few balls in play um, with that slider. Uh, against lefties, just a 125 batting average allowed is insane, but fewer strikes. You try to get that one down in uh, glove side, doesn't really do too well doing it. However, to right-handers, it's all backdoor surprising guys, and that's where that called strike rate goes through the roof. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow, he's like 69% of the time he's throwing that slider early in the count. That's Yeah, of the, that's of the sliders he throws, that's that's how it is. Yep. Um it's yeah, it, it, it's very off. Uh, it's, if you're wondering, how do you get these stats? Like, oh, my God, you go to pitcherlist.com, you dingus. That's right. 
uh, you check out the repertoire section and go to approach and you'll see early percentage. And by the way, 30% call strike rate against right-handers, uh, which is, ooh, that's pretty cool. Batters do well against it if they're able to swing at it and make contact, but they don't do that too much. So it's okay. Yeah. It's all right. Anyway, that's Nessa Cortez. What do you know? I spent longer on the pitcher. It's shocking. <laughs> Jake Cronenworth is next. So you were saying, I need a second baseman. And you thought Cronenworth is the one to get. Yeah. So this was where I was. I had that moment where I was like, oh, crap. There's not a lot of great second baseman out there. And so I decided to just snag one now. Uh, this is the ninth round. Cronenworth, uh, he seemed like the best option out there. I'm hopeful he can bounce back a little bit. You know, his hard hit rate, barrel rates all dropped a little bit last year. Fly ball rate jumped up similar to Cedric Mullins. I'm assuming that's, you know, a bit more dead fly balls. Uh, but I'm hopeful he can hit the ball a little bit harder. I think he still should be good for around 21, 20 home runs. And, you know, being on the Padres is always good for your runs and RBI numbers. So, you know, I don't love the pick, but I needed a second baseman. And I was worried that if I waited much longer, I'd be, uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel i think i was already scraping the bottom of the barrel. i was worried i was going to dig a hole through the bottom of the barrel and start <laughs> scraping what was underneath the barrel so so i just so i mean him. so what is the i know we had a hypothetical before of how you'd shift your draft for this but what would that be you know uh, fully at this point well i think uh uh i definitely would have grabbed a second baseman earlier you know uh someone like you know in a perfect world, I would have gotten jazz and I didn't have to worry about any of it. But like you said, like maybe that Cedric pick was a Trevor story pick instead. Uh, you know, in our, in our mock draft, Gunner uh, Henderson classified as second baseman. I don't think he will count as one next year. Cause he only played a couple. If he, I don't know, I think he played one or two games. You would know base. better than I would. Uh, I, yeah, like I think he played Henderson. one or two. He was mostly a third baseman last year. But if I remember right, is yeah, it three is games it at second base, 24 at third and seven at short. So it does not count. It's five games for yeah, Yahoo. So for Yahoo, gets yeah. shortstop, though. Yeah, he'll get shortstop, which is great. Um, that'll be really nice, actually. But so, you know, yeah, I, I probably would have invested in maybe a. You know, I know I like Rodon in the fourth. I wouldn't have gone. No, or, no, no, I think it's the no. Mullins one is the one. I think I it's suggest. the Mullins one where, you know, if I get lucky and, you know, someone else goes and I get jazz or, yeah, maybe that's story instead. That's probably something I would have done. And uh, I didn't realize that till the ninth round. But that's the whole point of these mock drafts is you learn. Yeah. Um, let's move on to actually, sorry. So going back to Jake Cronenworth, cause yeah. we, yeah, we got nice six a little bit, 17 home runs, but 88 RBI and 88 runs is very nice. Hopefully he can maintain yeah. a high spot in the batting order. He batted fourth, a decent amount down the stretch with Soto and bell in town. Otherwise in the season, he was batting off number two, number one spots. He kind of fell as the season went on. I uh, I don't dislike Cronenworth. Yeah. Yeah. Average I don't think he's bad. Problem. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it's he's he's fine and you have a fine second baseman as you're going to be searching to fill that spot the rest of the way I probably would have waited longer at this point I think you're kind of yeah, at the point I of that. I, I'm going to try and replace this in season somehow like I yeah, think I would have taken yeah. a shot at Jonathan India I saw that 15th round from Dave Swan looking forward to talking yeah. to him about that later this week Um, but I uh, but yeah it's it's fine 
Yeah, I think that's, that's kind of that was kind of my feeling. I was like, yeah, it, it works. Okay. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> now you also don't have a third baseman. Um, so right. you went with Matt Chapman in the 10th. How do you feel about that? I think with Chapman, I think you know exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get a low average, but around 30-ish home runs, solid counting stats with his runs and RBIs. And that's pretty much what I'm expecting. You know, it's he's been relatively consistent. And uh, I think that's for a later in the draft or mid rounds third baseman. I'm fine with that. You know, it's it's he's got obviously the potential to hit, you know, 35 plus home runs. He's done it, but I that's not what I'm expecting. So, right. yeah. If he hits if he hits what is it? What did he hit last year? It was like 229. Yeah. If he hits in yeah, the 220s and hits 30 home runs and gets some good runs in RBI, which he will on the Blue Jays, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, looking at the other third baseman, there isn't much left. Uh, and right. you have something that in head-to-head leagues, runs home runs, RBI, reigns supreme. Um, yeah, and I mean, and I think you know, the, the next the third baseman here. the next third baseman that went off the board was Eugenio Suarez a couple rounds later, and I feel like Matt Chapman is a better Eugenio Suarez. Sure. Uh, so. I don't know. I don't know who I'd rather have, but it's close. Um, Jesus Lazardo was next, 11th round. I loved, I was upset about this one too. <laughs> it it might have been, I mean, it, it's, I really hope Lazardo doesn't have to go on the 11th. Uh, like, I, it's, I love him. It's so funny. Back in the day, I would be able to get Lazardo like 15th round or something, you know, and all the other names would go up higher. Like, I don't expect in your Yahoo and ESPN ADPs to have Lazardo going in the 11th round. I just don't think that's what will happen yeah but here it is and there it's an interesting round tony gonsolin john gray luzardo pablo lopez joe ryan andrew heaney all going here uh was there someone else that you wanted at this point that you didn't get and you fell on luzardo or were you targeting luzardo i was definitely targeting luzardo i, I like luzardo a lot uh a you know another guy who you know maybe that would be a cool trade for the Orioles to make get a uh, Jesus Lazardo that oh, would be neat. I don't I don't I think the Marlins are trading Jesus Lazardo at this point I don't know I mean there was a lot there's been talk about the Orioles trying to well in the past there was talk about them trying to go for like a Pablo Lopez who knows maybe they'll just go through the whole Marlins roster and be like I don't know how about this guy uh, <laughs> I mean but... they did say that Sandy <laughs> is the one that's untouchable so right right so who knows but anyways I you know Lazardo when I invest in a pitcher in the mid later rounds, <clears throat> I like to invest in stuff and Luzardo has stuff for sure. Uh, you know, obviously had the injury last year, but he looked great. His, I don't know, curveball slider, whatever uh, thing. Cause it's classified. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a breaking ball. Site. The slurve. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, don't do this again. It's a slurve. Don't, don't do this again. <laughs> This is this is like one of the it. first podcasts Ben and I ever did. <laughs> it was a whole discussion about a slurve. And I, I, I'm telling you right now, it does not exist. I slurve mean, slurve does not exist. A slurve that's why is I said a, it. Oh gosh, it's a curveball that is thrown at a different arm angle. That's all. That's right. It's a slurve, uh, just like a sinker and a two seam are almost the same thing. Okay, we're gonna move on. <laughs> no, anyways, his. Uh, <laughs> That breaking pitch is basically a money pitch. The changeup's even better. 
His fastball could sit around 97 at times last year. Couldn't even touch 100. Uh, you know, when you think about it, when when you want a quality pitcher, what is it that you want? Oftentimes, it is a solid fastball or sinker, a, some type of fastball that is that works as a foundation, and at least two secondary pitches that are you know great strikeout pitches. And Luzardo has that. So, you know, I like I said, this is an investment in stuff, and I think Luzardo's got that for days. Yeah, so uh, you don't a sinker and a two seamer are not different based on the arm angle. Okay, I know, uh, I know, it's not. It's okay. Based, it, just correct I held me that if I'm in wrong. the entire time. Correct There's me many if I'm ways wrong. It's, to di- it's to di- based on the, pressure, go right? Ahead. I, that's yes, asking, you could yeah. say that. You can. There are many different grips for stuff. It's really close at this point now. How much those are blurred together? Yeah, but a slurve. Yeah. Oh, it's a different thing. It's okay. a different pitch. Yeah, it's a different pitch it's, in the it's, slider. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. It's slurvy, but it's not a slurve. This is just a secret to anybody who ever interacts with Nick. If you want to start pushing his buttons, just call Stop a pitch a with slurve. The slurve thing. Just call it a slurve. Be like, oh, no, no, no. He throws a slurve. Uh, you're when you making, talk about Corey you're Kluber. making me turn into one of those actuallys people, and I won't. I'll just let it be, but it's because it's Ben encyclopedia. it so hard. Ben pushed it so hard that I was like, all right, you want to do this game? Fine. <laughs> Let's play, Ben. Um, anyway, Curveball anyway. and Changeup are the name of the game for Lozardo. It's actually very interesting. I remember this time last year being excited about Lozardo because I saw a path all of a sudden. Hey, reduce that four-seamer usage uh, and throw more curveballs, and that could be really cool. And that would be like there is a way that this works. If you do that, you did at the very end of the year. And stop throwing those sinkers, throw the four-seamers instead. Okay. Fast forward to the start of this year, and he's throwing harder than ever. We're talking 97 as opposed to 95.5 and leaning on the curveball a ton. And I'm just like, this is exactly what I wished. You know, my Christmas dreams have have arrived. And then he got hurt. And before he got hurt, what I didn't realize at the time was that he actually introduced his changeup a bit. uh, And that became his better pitch instead of the curveball in those final few starts. And then he got hurt. Same day as Tyler McGill, it destroyed my PL Legacy team. I was <laughs> I was sitting so pretty with my legs up at that point, and uh, then he came back, and it was changeup first, not curveball. And at first, I was a little wary of it because I was like, "Oh, it's the changeup, not the curveball." But then the curveball came back by the end. Changeup was there too. Fastball velocity was a little slower. It was more like ninety six as opposed to ninety seven. But still better than the 95, 94, 95 and change, right? And I buy this. I buy that his curveball was the most thrown pitch in his repertoire last year. I think the changeup is really good. 26% swinging strike rate last year. He got that pitch down. 71% low lock. You listening, Chris Bubich? This is how it's done. 70% low lock on the on the curveball as well. Low lock is low location. If you don't know by now. Um I say it all the time because it's just fun to say in the first place. Now, the curveball needs to get more strikes. It's just a 58% strike rate. That's a big problem because if you can't get strikes in the curveball, that means he's likely going to have to turn to the fastball or the sinker. And we don't want that to happen because both are about a 30% swing, uh, hard contact rate pitch. That said, they both had better averages this year. Changeup is still excellent. I'm so much of a fan of this. Just stay healthy, buddy. He hasn't that's pitched over thing, 100 yeah. innings in in before. And that's why I see these other guys. And I think, mm, I'd rather have Joe Ryan. 
Drew Ryan, mm, okay. I think, is a little bit more stable at this point. Uh, Papa sure. Lopez is kind of grouped in a little with Luzardo. I mean, he finally did pitch 100 innings, 180 innings, I believe, this year. Very close to it. Uh, but he just wasn't the same quality. John Ray, John, John Gray had some injury questions this year and the year before. Tony Gonsolin, too. So I can't quite say that Luzardo's underneath those because of that. Uh, but, yeah, I think I prefer Joe Ryan because I can buy the innings a little bit more. But, man, do I like Luzardo. They're just I get that. Go. I get that. Yeah. I what do you know? I mean, I I can't help myself. It's a pitcher. I just gonna talk. He's around. great. Uh oh yeah, he is very good, Luzardo. Alex Verdugo, twelfth round. Why'd you do Verdugo? Uh he was kind of a guy who there there are players in fantasy where they will produce for you, but they'll never blow you away. Toby's. And uh yeah, Toby's, but offensive Toby's. Uh, Dustin Pedroia was this for a long time, where like he was good everywhere, but never great. And that has a place on your team. And Verdugo, I think, is kind of that. Like, he's going to give you a good average, solid runs, RBI numbers. You know, I'm hopeful he'll develop a little bit more power. He only had 11 home runs last year, but hit 280, 75 runs, 74 RBI. You know, I, I think that is a solid all-around outfielder for your team. He's still just, you know, 26. He'll be 27 around uh, about a month into the season. You know, could see some more power potentially at a 30% hard contact rate, which isn't bad. So, you know, we'll see. But I think, you know, at this point in the draft, I was kind of looking for an outfielder. And uh, I went ahead and grabbed him because, you know, he just kind of, I don't know, it made sense compared to some of the other outfielders out there. I think he's just a solid all-around contributor i would have probably and maybe this is the homer in me i might have gone santander had he been uh available because i really believe in the changes that he made this year uh and i think assuming health he's i think i honestly think he's a lock to do exactly what he did this year which was 30 plus home runs Uh, i think his average could be up even a little bit more uh but he got picked a little bit before me so, uh, yeah, I think Verdugo is just a, a solid contributor. So I thought you were going to say the home run you regrets not taking Felix Bautista. Oh, that was I mean, that's the next thing is, yeah, I was going to go for a closer next. And I realized I should have gone for a closer around sooner because I did want Bautista and he got picked. Uh, yeah, like this is this is probably pick, my least favorite pick of your draft. Uh, really? Verdugo. Yeah. OK, because. I think in 12-teamers, 5 by 5 3-outfielder, your third outfielder should not be drafted relatively high. It is the easiest okay. position to fill. Um, 36 outfielders, that's it for, for the entire league. Obviously, there's util guys. Some are going to be placed in other positions. Yeah. But for the most part, there's always going to be some outfielder that is fun to chase. Uh, I think and- that's fair, yeah. And a guy like Verdugo is not a ceiling play as your outfield three. Yeah. Um, now you're not wrong in that. Yeah, he'll he's fine, and you'll like you would be happy picking up a Verdugo off the wire. Um, yeah. But that's limiting yourself, I think. And you say yeah, you could have gotten Felix Bautista here. You yeah, and have, I think honestly, yeah. looking back, that's what I should have done. Uh, you know. Verdugo is my worst pick. Yeah, I definitely buy that. You know, I I think 
he Man, uh, I, I don't think I've been that negative on anyone in any no, of these. I don't think I've that's actually so... identified that before. So Honestly, I'm just, I'm... it's just something I'm looking at your team. Oh, it's a good team. Okay, that's the one I would change. <laughs> yeah, no, and I and I think I'm kind of with you. I think yeah, again, obviously we're doing this draft in October and this is a slow draft. And honestly, the reality is there are times when it's our turn on the clock and like, I don't know about everybody else, but there are times I'm like, I'm doing other stuff and I'm like, oh crap, I got to make a pick. I'm looking around and looking around and I don't do as much deep research as I should uh, or look, you know, don't do as much of an audit of my own team. Had I done that, uh, and this is something I realized in the next round when I took Scott Barlow as my first reliever. Uh, when I did that, I was like, oh, crap, I should have done a reliever last round because mm. I needed one. And as a wise man once told me, when you're looking around and you don't see anything that you really like, that's the time to draft a closer. Oh, and what a wise guy. That was that was actually my friend Ben Dean who told me that back in like 2010. And when you don't know what you right. want. You get a closer and it's like, yep. Closers are currency. Yep. And that's uh, exactly what I should have done, especially uh, with Bautista. Cause I think everything about Bautista is a hundred percent legit. And yeah, I think he's, he's got the closer job. The Orioles locked are down. winning ball club now. Right, Ben. They are indeed. The rebuild is over. Almost. Did they, did they, Almost. did they get 81 wins this year? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, I think it was exactly. Uh, oh man! So they're like an, they're an, they're an average team then, right? <laughs> they are. <laughs> hey, it was. 80, hey, they were eighty-two the, to be a winning team. They were in the wild card fight. Uh, oh, sorry, eighty-three wins. They went eighty. There you go. They are a winning ball club. You heard it here first. Ball club. Eighty-three <laughs> um, and seventy-nine. Right. They were in the wild card hunt for a hot minute. So you know. So Scott Barlow, I uh, yeah was the. 12th ranked uh, saves and holds pitcher by Rick Graham. Yeah. I feel that this is a absolutely good pick at this point. Yeah. Like yeah. I think closer. Here he is. Yeah. I needed a closer. I think he should be locked in as the Royals closer, uh, which, you know, is, you know, sort of like being the best smelling garbage man, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, but I mean, he's got a filthy curve and slider, Fastball's not that great, but all in all, he's a pretty solid closer. So uh, I, I needed a closer at that point. Would have preferred to have Bautista, but I think Barlow is perfectly fine. I take it back. He's the 21st, and I was looking at the last one of the year, but mm. 21st in top 20, uh, 125 for 2023, in the same tier as Bautista. So uh, that's, that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, not much more to say about Scott Barlow. Questions about relievers. Direct them to Rick Graham. Yeah. He knows everything. Actually, I'll have Rick Graham on tomorrow. Can't wait. Uh, Tyler Malley uh, is the next one. I think Tyler Malley's not getting enough love in this offseason. I and agree. I think injuries do that. I think injuries, uh, people forget about injured players. Um, I'm hopeful that his shoulder injury doesn't cause any issues coming into the season. But if it doesn't, I think in the 14th round, he's a pretty solid pick. The 4-4-0 ERA he had last year came with a 3 4 one XERA three eight one FIP. Given his history, full year in Minnesota, I could definitely see him pitching to a mid to high three uh, ERA with solid strikeout numbers. So, assuming that shoulder is fine, I, I'm a I'm a Mally fan. Have been for a few years now. I like him. Always has been. Um, now, uh, Mally, what's interesting is that his fly ball rates went way up 
on his four-seamer last year. Um, we're talking like 38% to 57%. And you'll see, oh, a lower home run fly ball rate, but when you allow more home uh, fly balls, you're going to have a lot of home runs. That's the biggest issue. He's out of Cincinnati now. That is a good yeah. thing. He's in Minnesota. This is better for him. I still see him as a 25% strikeout guy. I think the whip can be below 120. I think the ERA can be low four. Um, the question to me really is, I know the fastball is going to be effective for him. It always has been. Uh, X average last year was 192 on it. The splitter doesn't get enough strikes. It's hovered 60% strikes and only a 12% swing strike rate last year, which is not good for the, for Mally's splitter. Yeah, The cutter and slider are nothing to write home about. Both are sub 60% strike pitches. And that's the biggest issue. It always has been. Of just He has this really good fastball. He's got to turn into the Brandon Woodruff somehow. Of You don't need the greatest slider and the greatest changeup ever. Just something that works. And he hasn't gotten that yet. I hope that he can find something in Minnesota. Uh, give him a healthy offseason as well right now. I hope that he's good to go. Because um, Tyler Malley could rack up a ton of strikeouts for your team. And to get something like that. Uh, yeah. who had 210 strikeouts in 2021 in a healthy season in the 14th round is pretty cool. I prefer him over Luis Garcia. I prefer him over Lucas Giolito. So I like this. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate that. <laughs> and you know what? And you know what? That splitter, I mean, like you said, 2021, I mean, the splitter had a almost 40% uh, chase rate, 17% swinging strike rate. So it is not outside of the realm of possibility that, you know, he could bring that back. Yeah, maybe the shoulder stuff wasn't impacting how he could was be. able to stand on top of that splitter. Um, got it down more is the biggest thing. A 71% low lock versus 67%, but also had this, it would fade a little bit too much. Uh, and it's it's not what he wants uh, out of that splitter. Um, let's move on. It's not a seal of approval. I actually think that you, relative to the market, are high on him. So you're not getting a discount. Interesting. Okay. But I'm I'm a fan, Fair. so it's fine. Um, I'm going to count Rosario. that as a seal of approval in in my book. That's a seal of approval you, as far as I'm concerned. You do whatever you want. I'm at Rosario in the 15th I'm round. Gonna, as we might I'm go a little bit longer in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally. I'm at Rosario. Pretty simple. Uh, decent power speed combo with a good average. I don't see any reason he can't really repeat what he's been doing past couple years. Uh, so yeah, I figured I could use a little bit more speed on the team. Uh, and I think he's just a rock solid all around player, you know, that 2022 and 2021 were virtually identical, a few more steals in 2022. And so I don't think there's any reason he can't hit in the two eighties with almost 20 steals and like 10 to 12, 13 home runs. So, uh, yeah. 86 runs, 71 RBI. Uh, 18 stolen bases. My question is, where does he slot in your lineup? Is he a util? Yeah, I think he's util or kind of a backup shortstop. Uh, you know, he does not have second base eligibility for anyone. Does not no. questioning I, that yet. I yeah, I don't believe he does. Okay. Um. So um, yeah, probably a util guy because the rest of the guys I drafted are all kind of dart throw shots, especially the sure. hitters. So I think he he's the guy who slots in as an everyday util guy or however I want to, you know, move the lineup around. Um, batting order was second for most of the season uh, for Alman Rosario. 
I want to see a little bit more pop there. Just 11 home runs for two straight years now. Uh, yeah. Let's get used to old bases. Let's get URBI runs. Good average. Be solid. Uh, I think there are some that didn't have a shortstop that were like, oh, all right. Fine. You took Rosario <laughs> from me. Okay. Um, MJ Melendez. Look at this. You got a second to catcher. Why'd you do that? Yeah. You know, this is another guy where it's kind of a, a dart throw. You know, he's a bench bat. So when I start getting to the bench bats, I kind of want to do these dart throws that could be decent upside guys. And I think MJ Melendez is that. I think he'll qualify a catcher in fantasy, uh, but I think he's going to mostly DH for the Royals because he's a bad catcher. Uh, <laughs> he had a negative 18 DRS last year at the catcher position. Oh, wow. So he's very bad, but he's a he's a solid hitter. He hit 217 last year which isn't great but 244 expected batting average so if it if he hits around that with around 20 to 25 home runs which is very very doable given what he did last year i think that's a decent value and he could absolutely do better than that so if he's able to do even better than great i just got a nice uh either trade piece or a catcher i can switch around with adley or util guy you know Whatever. Sure. It's a dart throw. Yeah, Melendez is the catcher that I want to target if I miss out on catcher. Yeah, uh, I would 12, agree. I would agree. 12% walk rates uh, last year is really good. Um, Doesn't help you for fantasy, but it means that he has a good eye at the plate, which is what you want to see. Love me a guy with a high walk rate. Right. It, it's Well, it's, a, it's tough for fantasy because high walk rate isn't good for fantasy unless you're going for runs. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a showcase that he has good plate discipline, which then generally means that you swing at better pitches, which then means you hit for more power. It's it's a whole thing. But inherently, it's not good, but it's a good indication. Um, I wonder how good the team will be around him in, in Kansas City for Melendez. And that might impact the runs in RBI totals. Five, 57 yeah. and 62 runs in RBI respectively in about 130 games this past year, 534 plate appearances. Um, it's yeah, an interesting I mean, one to slot in your util spot. There's, I think there's some talent in the Royals line. It's funny. If you look at roster resource, they have him as the leadoff hitter. Uh, I guess, you know, given the walks, OBP, but sure. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, well, 313 you know, OBP is not actually that great. 168th in the majors. Yeah. I think the OBP comes down because of the bad batting average, but, um, sure. but you know, I mean, you know, that lineup has Bobby Witt, Sal Perez, uh, Adalberto Mondesi, Vinny P, you know, there's some, some solid hitters in that lineup. It's not going to set the world on fire, but it also isn't, you know, an anemic lineup. So, yeah, I, you know, I, like I said, it's a dart throw, and I think it could be, he could turn out to be something decent. And if he isn't, if he's garbage, then, uh, you know, three, four, five weeks into the season, I drop him. Then no sure. harm, no foul. Um, let's move to your next one, which is Mackenzie Gordon. Yeah, we're at 16, 17th round at this point, which is like, all right, let's hope that these guys stick around. I like yep. Mackenzie Gore. I think he's pretty good. Tell me about him. I agree. Uh, yeah, I, he showed some flashes of brilliance before his injury. So assuming health, then obviously elbow injuries are always a little scary. But assuming health, I think he should have a locked spot in the Nats rotation. No reason he wouldn't. Uh, I've always thought he had potential. I remember I, I've had him in one of my dynasty leagues. For God, it feels like an eternity now. 
but he, I just always, he, it felt like he never really was able to find a way to break into the Padres rotation consistently. But now he's got a consistent spot. He's got a nice fastball, curveball, slider combo. Uh, I think he's a nice start, though. I think, uh, you know, he gets a full shot this year, and it's, you know, I, I said the same thing about Josiah Gray last year, and obviously that didn't turn out super well, but who knows? It's That's the thing with the dart throws is it could not turn out well, and, you know, who cares? You wasted, what, a late draft pick on him? Yeah, that was a different thing, Josiah Gray. Oh, definitely. Uh, definitely. I, uh, I mean, uh, I like those two breakers, but fastball allows too many homers. Mackenzie Gore is fascinating to me. I feel like every game he was doing a different plan of attack when he was a Padre. Gets dealt, doesn't really do too much before he gets hurt. Um, actually, I don't think he did anything. He was hurt the entire time, or at least in the minors. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was hurt. Um, t- the fastball, 61% usage, but just a 9% swing strike rate, which I think it should be better. I think he gets a little too much uh, YM lock that is pitching to middle. Uh, 27%, only a 47% high location on the fastball. And we want to see like 60-ish to get whiffs legitimately. I think you can see that from Gore if he does up that. The the curve, 37% CSW, 64% strike rate on it, 70% hard contact rate. That's really good. And he can get whiffs on the slider. It's very inconsistent. I uh, does not have the proper command. At least I haven't seen it yet of it. I know in the minors, he's well known for his command of everything. So I think there is something to like here. I don't have so much faith in the nationals themselves. Um, is the oh, I agree. For me. I but agree. I, I get that, especially the stuff yeah. that he can do it on his own if he wants. I think so. Yeah, especially after the comments I heard. Uh, so obviously the Orioles grabbed Austin Voth from the Nats uh, during the year. And Voth, one of the first things he said was he was amazed at the amount of information the Orioles had that the Nats did not, which is not uh, a great sign for Nats pitchers. No. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a concern, but I just, I don't know. Mackenzie Gore has, I think, good raw stuff. I think there's a lot of talent there. So this is an investment in that talent, Uh, a dart throw on, you know, maybe he throws it all together. Well, the one thing I think that Gore will have is opportunity, and that's good. And for sure, you get to sure. see at uh, you know at the beginning of the year, which is definitely a positive. Uh, one thing I do want to note a lot with these uh, a lot of these guys that you're picking up at the end of your draft, you should know who they're facing on the first turn. It's really important, and we'll know more about it in in March and April, really March when they are through spring training, and you can see where they're lining up fourth or fifth, or they skipped all that kind of stuff. Because what happens in season that first week is chaos. It is absolute yeah. just who do I pick up? What's going on? How do I do this? <laughs> Overreaction season theater. starts. It's it's insane. Brandon Finnegan. There's a name. Um, <laughs> Thursday, opening day happens. Friday, um, I think Friday is really the major opening day. At least that's how it happens. Had, ha- has happened recently. Uh, that opening weekend. Think of it this way. Every team's going to play three games. And what will happen are these players are going to perform better than we expected. And you're going to want to drop a player who has not performed yet for someone else who has performed well already. And the strategy I'm trying as much to implore this year or to execute 
is to ensure that I have a pitcher going that opening weekend on my teams. Fewer guys as the five so that I can see them and make an assessment, at least get some value if I want hmm. to swap them out. That's, That's just a thought I have right now. Um, of putting myself in as good of a position as possible for that opening weekend. And I'm really like getting ahead of a lot of these um, dart throws and stuff. Now you could be saying, Nick, like I just want to have the dart throw that's right and not make that move. Try to tell yourself that when someone does well on Sunday and your guy doesn't pitch till Wednesday. Yeah, but you know, here's the thing though, is I, I've been preaching that for years of like to to try and and resist the urge to engage in the overreaction theater that happens within the first two or three weeks of the season. I, I, I constantly tell people, don't throw away the two months worth of research you did in your draft because <laughs> of two weeks well, that you saw. Right. Now, usually this applies more to hitters than pitchers. Sure. But, you know, what I tell people is, you know, I get people if ever end up subbing in for you on the AMA on Reddit, for example, or, well, Scott. Now, I, I get questions will be like halfway through April. And it's like, hey, should I drop this guy who was like my sixth round pick? And I'm like, no. Well, right. Well, if this struggle yeah. happened in June, you wouldn't care. Yeah. But right. because it's it happening right away you care. Absolutely. I, I, what I'm getting at is more the discussion of this is your 17th round pick. Right. And, right. And I, I and get the, that. I get that. I, and I'm not saying don't draft Gore. I'm not saying right, this is an incorrect right. pick. I'm, I'm, I might be taking Gore at this point. I'm more uh, of just expressing, okay, what are the, what is this opening schedule? And the, at least the first step of it isn't even that opening weekend. It's the opening series. Because yeah. if you were picking, if you're drafting a guy and then not starting him for his first start, I don't know if I want to go after that guy. Yeah, you might and, as well leave him on the waiver wire. Sure. Right. Sure. Because, you know, that, that, that might be a way to, to think about it. And he gets, well, the Nationals get Atlanta and then they get the, the Rays. Patrick Corbin, Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, Cade Cavalli. Like, yeah, what that is that rotation? <laughs> that so, rotation is rough. I'm not starting Gore against Atlanta. I might be starting him against the Rays. So that's an important one to distinguish. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that, it's something I think about a lot with this. Like, Tyler McGill. Tyler McGill, they go against the Marlins for the first four games of the year. Tyler McGill is their number four right now with Justin Verlander signing. I'm 100% starting Ty Lord McGill against the Marlins. And if he goes against the Brewers yeah. instead, I'm starting him there. Right. And that's, that's a difference maker to me later on um, in these picks. The ceiling is similar. I mean, I took him two picks later. I still like Gore and I think I even had him ranked higher in my list initially, but this is how I'm shaping it differently. Those kinds of little decisions, they might make a big difference. Um, and it, hey, the first week matters as much as any other week too. You don't want yep. to necessarily put yourself yep. at such a disadvantage. Yep. Um, I generally do speak to being a little bit worse the first two weeks just for the purpose of of having a better roster after, but that's and not for everybody. And I don't really suggest that always. You get my point. And we're going to be talking more about those uh, those fringe guys at the end of drafts that have favorable schedules early. Uh, later on in February and March. 
but stuff to note now and be thinking about uh, when we go through these. Um, okay. Rant is over. We have six picks left. We got to get through them. Tanner <laughs> we'll, we'll Scott motor through them. Tanner, Tanner Scott, Scott, we can motor through real quick. Yeah, it really yeah. easy. Needed another reliever. <clears throat> in reality, probably not going to be grabbing Tanner Scott in too many drafts. Because he has two first names. I know. <laughs> two first names. Always a crowd pleaser. No, no, uh, never, no never trust him. Never trust never, him. Never trust two first names. Uh, yep. You know, he had 20 saves last year. He's got a great slider fastball combo, but he's got the same problem that he always had when he was an Oriole. Uh, he gets knocked around a bit and walks a ton of batters, uh, but gets a lot of swings and misses. 18th round. It's a flyer on a reliever. Like I said, once we get to like actual draft season around March, I'm probably not grabbing Tanner Scott too many places, but needed another reliever here and he was there. So. He's there not the prettiest girl at the bar, but he's the last girl at the bar. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, t- <laughs> I took a, uh, I took a reliever at the end just to signify I should have taken more relievers. So there you go. Yeah. Um, Anthony Rendon exists, and he's on your team. Why? He is. So yeah, he's played 105 games over the past two seasons. Uh, he's had all these injury problems, but the funny thing is, is like I was sitting there going like, oh, he's had all these injury issues. He must be like pretty old. He's 32. He's not like pushing 40. <laughs> uh, just a few years ago, he was a lock for a high average and good number of home runs. Honestly, this late, you know, 19th round, I'm willing to take a dart throw and uh, see if something happens. And you know what? If nothing is happening with Anthony Rendon, you'll know in the first month of the season, like just you'll you'll get an idea. But you know, on the chance that at 32, he's able to kind of bounce back from some of these. I'll take the shot. That's fine. By yeah, me. I dig that. I think that's cool. I yeah. uh, Taiwan Walker is next. Um, he's a free agent right now. And a 349 ERA, 119 whip last year. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's, uh, I think he's one of those guys is a fine serviceable and useful fantasy starter. We uh, have a term for this. I ben. know. What is it? It's a, it's a, it's a Tobias. It's a, it's a, he's a, he's a, he's a perfectly fine Toby, uh, outside that, outside of his splitter, which had, you know, good 46.3% chase, 17% swinging strike rate. Doesn't really have any other pitches that wow me, but also none that are like, especially awful. His sinker leaves a little to be desired, but you know, hopefully he signs somewhere exciting. That would be cool. But, uh, I think he's a, a useful pitcher to round out. Uh, your rotation he boggles my mind because i don't <laughs> understand how he has the success he's had fastball is not good 255 batting average allowed last year 31 percent hard contact it dropped in velocity full tick from 2021 when it was actually the pitch that did everything for him the splitter had a far it gets a lot more strikes than i expected that really was a major impact for him 192 batting average allowed but 20% hard contact on it. And yeah, it just not the most swing strikes you've ever seen. Only 25% CSW. Um, slider is not good. It's a low strike pitch gets hit hard. And that's about it. I mean, the sinker does have a good O swing. He jams it to right handers. That is, uh, should be more effective than it is. Got Babbitt out of the world though, with it. We're talking a 357 Babbitt on it, even though it's a 25% hard contact rate. In fact, 
That is the best hard contact rate across those four pitches is a sinker. And that had by far the worst average. And I just look at him and go, how did this work? How did this work? It was like one on a given night, one of these things did well. And thank, thankfully you did, you know, I, I, I'm worried about Taiwan Walker. If he doesn't have the increased velocity, I think any team that gets him is going to say, Oh no, look at what he's done. And he's been this stalwart. And, uh, I think he, uh, he, uh, it's not for me now, depending on where he signs, maybe the opening weekend, it's worthwhile. And also, yeah, yeah, yeah. looking at the rest of the options at this point, you're running out. This pitcher list crew likes to take pictures, and it's annoying. Yes, they I do. Really like taking pictures. Yes, it is very annoying. And and I and I want to caveat something with these last handful of picks. Every year, I write an article on late round, late draft dart throws, which usually entails me doing a whole bunch of research on guys who are going really late in drafts. And I will definitely have a list of targets once we get to draft season that probably will not include someone like Taiwan Walker. Oh, uh, yeah. Different flyers. I mean, mine too. I'm already out on Dre Jameson. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I took Dre Jameson in the 20th. I'm out on it. I'm out on it now. Yeah. yeah. uh, I did my review of the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm like, yeah, I don't know actually if I'm really in on Dre Jameson. I don't think his fastball is as good as I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like guys like, you know, again, this is October. So guys like Tywin Walker or, you know, Ryan McMahon, who we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, who I took in the 22nd. These are probably not necessarily guys I'm going to actually be looking at in March. You know, I got to say, Ben, you you don't even need to give that caveat. I think everyone understands that. Uh, And then it's like, oh, man, you want Duran went later in this. Why did I take Dre Jameson? You should have taken Duran. What am I doing? (laughs) You know, uh, and Munez went in the 21st. What is wrong with me? Uh, and of course, I don't McGrain know. got both of those. Um, but I, John Means in the 21st and John Means is Tommy John. And you just like, ah, I'll put him in the IL spot and whatever. Cause I love John Means. I well, he, I mean, he, he should be back by, uh, I mean, he had Tommy August. John. Is it August? September? That- like he got, he got his surgery in June. He had a surgery in June. I thought he had it earlier in the year. June, May, I mean, when the surgery happened, but it's generally the, the timeline is 12 months to 18 months. Oh, you know what? Then, then this was a, this was a, I goofed up pick, uh, and got his timeline for return wrong. I mean, you so, don't know, maybe it is May. I, yeah. I mean, that would be, that would be great, but you know, what? uh, let's see. He had his surgery took place April 27th, 2022. Okay. So I'm wrong. First of all, so that so said, back in hopefully May, said, yeah, maybe July or July could come back or so. I mean, yeah, that splitting the difference of the twelve to eighteen, twelve to yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think we'll have perhaps he's throwing off of. I heard this today. He's throwing off of flat ground now, uh. So he's he's working through the rehab process. No setbacks yet. Uh, I think come spring training time and all that we'll have a much better idea hopefully of where he's at as john means me too because he showed he could be a good pitcher in old camden yards so like imagine how much better now he's got the great wall of camden out in left field i just called it cameron and supposed to cameron Cameron, you really are tired i'm so tired (laughs) Ben. 
Cameron Yards. This is like the earliest I've woken up in a while, and I'm not drinking coffee, oh and it's God. getting close to midnight. You, um, clearly, you, you, are, you clearly do not have children. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I do not. Yeah. Uh, every parent is like, 8 a.m.? That sounds like a delight. <laughs> I know. But uh, I went to bed at 1.30. Okay, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, Ryan yeah. McMahon, uh, I think he works as a bench bat, should hit for some decent power, a decent average, hits and cores. You know, don't hate any of that. Uh, you know, not not a whole lot to say. He's he's a, a decent bench bat who I think, you know, there's obviously the potential that he steps forward even more. But even if he does exactly what he did last year, that's, second base. That's fine. Second, Second base. base, it helps. Yeah, it helps. Yeah, maybe getting uh, some platoon stuff that you can take it. Yeah, I mean, he there. hit 20 home runs last year, 67, 67 in runs and RBI. Well, yeah, stick him in cores when he plays in cores, then put Corona yep. worth in the other, and that might work. Yep. Exactly. Uh, and then uh, Craig Kimbrell is your last pick. Yeah, this is kind of like <clears throat> what's out there, because as you said, uh, the pitcherless crew likes to take a lot of pitchers. So uh, I was kind of looking around. Craig Kimball was out there I, again, like similar to you. I did not take enough relievers or like take relievers early enough. Uh, I, he doesn't have a job yet, but would not shock me at all if he ends up with some sort of closer or closer adjacent job, just given that he is Craig Kimball. There are a lot of teams and, you know, managers who, you know, he's he's done the job before. He, you know, he's got experience and they will throw a guy like Craig Kimbrell uh, into the closer job. And he's not bad. I mean, obviously, he's not Craig Kimbrell of old. Still, he's not terrible or anything. So figure as a last round shot. Why not? Yeah, I mean, it's who knows? Who knows? Yeah, sure. Exactly. I get it. It's fine. You'll get signed somewhere, becomes a backup reliever, and then go, oh, yeah, I'm not yep. going to do this anymore. And that's fine before the season even starts. Yep, exactly. And again, you know, come March, I doubt I'm going to be drafting him. <laughs> right. Um. All right. Well, that's it. That's 23 rounds on a scale of 1 to 23, with 1 being the worst, 23 being the best. How would you rank your team? Uh, let's see what is slightly above halfway. That would probably be, I'll Aww. call it a, uh, no, you know what? I'm going to call it. A, I'm gonna call it actually. I'm gonna call it a 17. There's a there's a good there's a handful of weaknesses there, uh, you know, second base and um, a couple other spots, but I feel pretty pretty good about it. I feel pretty good about it overall. Yeah, I like that um, team. I'll, if I was walking into the season with that team, I'd feel pretty good. Okay, yeah, I'll give you a 15. Still above average. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll take it. Solid. What's the That's highest good. you've given? Uh, I've given like a 19. I really like Pete Ball's team. I mean, the Bryce Harper stuff is is weird. That was that's a really good team. Yeah, yeah. Really well, team. I feel like who was the uh, one of you got the, Diaz our... and Hader in that with also Alcantara, Julio Rodriguez, and uh, you like, know what? One of our many team. one of our many podcasts was I was listening to their mock draft recap, and they mm-hmm. were also uh, fawning all over Pete Ball's team. So we all do. I guess he knows it. Well done, Pete. I guess. (laughs) All right. But that's going to do it for this episode of on the corner. Ben Palmer, follow him on Twitter. Ben J Palmer. He does amazing stuff. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's just one of our senior guys and uh, we're all very lucky to have Ben as one of the leaders here at Pitcher List. Um, But that's it. So thank you, Ben, for joining. Um, My name is Nick Pollock and we'll talk to you guys next week. (laughs) 